0: Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com.
3: It's Beamaz and Beamer. News Radio 930 WBEN.
0: Good morning, it is BMAS and Beamer on News Radio 930 WBEN with you till 10 o'clock this morning. And Brian, what I would say is amongst a lot of people, the third most talked about thing during the pandemic. Uh, for some people, it's the it's the number one. But right now, I'd say it's number three. You have the virus itself vaccines in schools.
3: Yeah. Um I one of the most talked about things one I think the sentence I've said maybe more than ever over the last year is uh, thank God I have, you know, a 1-year-old and not a 10-year-old because I don't know what I'd be doing uh, depending on where I lived. We're uh, getting right to it. Bringing on Todd Aldinger who if you uh, were listening uh, along in the morning, you would have heard uh, Todd joining us from Lipsitz Green Chimay, and Cambria. Uh, Todd Looking at this situation, it seems like a decision from the state to ease up on that distancing guideline is coming soon, um, or at the very least, some guidance is coming soon based on what you heard in the courtroom yesterday.
4: Yes, thanks for having me, and that's correct. Um, The state attorney general's office said that they would be putting forth some guidance about the three feet versus six feet um, within a week. But then again, we've been hearing this for about six weeks now that the new update, new and updated guidance is you know coming in a week or two. But um, regardless, the, the judge put in place an order yesterday, which should move the calendar forward. And if it doesn't come forth in a week, then uh, within two weeks, there will have to approve Williamsville and Orchard Parks reopening plans which should take into account um, three feet versus six feet.
3: What happens if the state does not, I think most people are expecting, but I know when talking earlier, you mentioned it too. Uh, we've heard it before from the state to expect it coming soon. What happens if the state does not offer any sort of guidance by the 20th? Uh,
4: I I don't know how, how the judge is going to react to that. I think that the judge was, um, you know, Pretty forceful yesterday that we need to move the calendar forward and we need to come up with a a plan. Um, he talked about how pretty much every other place where people gather, whether it's a restaurant, whether it's a business, you know, law firms, even the courtrooms, have adapted to um, the realities of COVID. And he expects the same from the schools, and you know they need to come up with a plan to do so um, within the calendar, the fairly aggressive calendar that he set forth yesterday.
0: Ty, can you see anything being acceptable that's not adapting to the CDC three feet? I mean, if the state comes out and says we're not going three feet for schools to reopen, will you be back in the courtroom?
4: Um, yeah, we'll, well, I mean, we're going to be back in the courtroom regardless um, the 23rd of April on this issue, unless it's resolved before then and the schools open up full time and, you know, just do what we've asked them to do. Um, if they don't do that and if they, you know, find wiggle around this and say they're only going to provide half uh, of halftime education or three days a week instead of their current two days a week we're going to be back in court arguing the same thing we were arguing yesterday we'll just be in a a different posture where the judge will be more likely to grant us um, the full relief we asked
0: And, and just to clarify you're arguing what the cdc provided march 19th so almost a month ago to get schools to reopen five days a week correct um, that's that's one fa- that's one facet of our argument um there's a couple other facets we think that you know
4: they're they're even if they are providing education that's completely remote they have to provide that education every day and right now we have kids as young as four years old being given a packet of information by an email in the morning and told to work through it on their own um you know i, I don't think anyone thinks that's how a four-year-old should be educated so there's there's a couple facets, but yes, one of our facets of our argument is that you know the, the studies came out in February showing that three feet was this had the same safety as six feet. The CDC in March said that the school should update to only require three feet of social distancing. And here we're in April, you know, two months after that study, one month after the CDC guidance, and nothing has changed. And the judge was uh, rightfully, frustrated with this lack of movement um, by the school districts and by the state
3: government. So much of this is based on risk, right? Risk of COVID transmission, risk of a bad outcome. At any point in this discussion in front of a judge or maybe in preparing your arguments, does that discussion of risk ever turn to whose job it is to determine what level of risk you're willing to accept?
4: Right. You know, there was, um,
3: first off, this is the population that is the least vulnerable.
4: And, you know, you look at other regulations that have been put out by the uh, state government, such as for Walmart, which they don't require um, six feet and social distancing, I mean, masks and social distancing. They only require masks. And so that the general population is only required to wear masks. And then you have the subset of the population, which every study that has studied children in COVID has shown that they are less susceptible to contracting it in the first place. And if they do get it, they have less symptoms. So, you know, we think that the risk is very minimal here. And again, in this lawsuit, we're not trying to compel all parents to send their kids to school five days a week. We're saying that they parents should have the option if they feel that they're kid should be in in school for five days a week, they should have that option to send that kid to school. And so, you know, the risk is, you know, I'm the parent, and that's what a lot of parenting is, is figuring out what type of risk you're willing to accept for your child. And here, we think it's a very low risk for these children. And a lot of these parents think that that risk is worth bearing when it's compared to the mental health and the lack of education that their children are currently getting with this halftime remote program.
0: Todd Aldinger from Lipsit Scream, Chimay in Cambria. Todd, thank you so much for joining us this morning.
3: Thanks for having me. All right, there is uh, Todd who uh, joined us also earlier in the morning to help us kind of sort through what was talked about in the courtroom yesterday. Uh, After that was talked about inside of a courtroom, it was talked about at a press conference in a totally different set of events. Erie County Executive Mark Poloncarz, Health Commissioner Gail Burstein sounding the alarm about COVID cases in kids who are going to school. They pointed to more cases being reported in schools. But when asked about if those cases are actually a result of kids being in school, well, here was the answer. Do you
5: know the transmission rate of those 500-plus school cases? Do you know if they were transmitted in the schools?
1: Uh. I do not, well, certainly not all of them were transmitted in the schools. I think some were, but uh, Dr. Burstein could probably answer that better.
6: Haleen, um you know, there are various sources of of, of infection of the our, our students and, and staff who are infected in the schools. Um, we see a lot of people that are infected from close contacts in their home Um, as we mentioned earlier we see a lot of uh, transmission within youth sports Um, we see uh, you know um, sometimes kids have no idea where they're infected Um, you know some kids have part-time jobs many times and as i mentioned we're seeing infections in uh, especially in small businesses so there i think there are multiple sources if um if we do find transmission Within a classroom, um, we this uh, we work hard with the school to um, to uh, you know identify uh, that cluster, and uh, we recommend that the school closes or at least close the classroom if, if it's just isolated to a classroom. So um, we haven't done that in the past week. However, uh, we you know we're always looking for that. So you know, unfortunately, um, I think the take-home message is that there are multiple sources of infection for our youth, and we, um, we you know wherever they are at home, um, in sports and uh, part-time jobs, so we really have to be vigilant.
3: That's Gail Burstein speaking yesterday. Uh, Taria Parsonen is joining us now, a parent advocate who's been kind of uh, leading the charge in the effort to get kids back in school. You know, they said uh, you heard that after it was kind of uh, the alarm bells were going off yet again, right, that uh, transmission uh, with kids. We're seeing more cases of kids who are going to school. But when asked about transmission in the classroom, they said they haven't had to close any classrooms because of in-school transmission in the past week, uh, which is what they were talking about. Uh, what did you make of uh, all that was said yesterday?
2: Well, thank you for having me. You know, we are continually uh, disappointed with what the Erie County Department of Health is is talking about. Their comments continue to misinform the public, creating confusion and unfounded fear. Um, we have, you know, there are three main points. We do not understand why the county continues to weigh in on schools when one, there is little to no transmission occurring in schools when masks are used, and and Dr. Burstein has said this herself, when number two, the overwhelming scientific evidence, including the CDC, shows that schools are safe when masks are used, and number three, the county is just supposed to be following state guidance. Why are they talking about schools at all? They actually have no jurisdiction over this, and when Western New York students first ask them, um, you know, why they're commenting on schools, you know, they they also say, oh, we don't have the power to open schools. We don't have the power. We don't have the jurisdiction over schools. So why, in fact, are they creating this confusion and fear about schools?
0: Tarya, I got to ask you, March 19th, when the CDC came out with the new guidelines from six feet to three feet, did you believe this was, this fight to reopen schools was coming to an end?
2: You know, having advocated for science-based open schools for many, many months now, I was thrilled that the CDC had done this, but uh, I knew this would not be the end of the fight. Um, And the fact that New York State has not adopted the CDC guidance is such a failure towards our children. You know, California adopted the CDC guidance the day after it was issued. I feel like we're one of the last states. It's no longer about science. No longer about safety. Something deeper is going on here. It's about politics. Um, you know, I'm hoping that it'll be adopted soon, but but at what cost? At what cost to our high schoolers? You know, who they're saying that the transmission rates are in the community are too high for the high schoolers or the middle schoolers? You know, um, we're fighting for all kids to be back in school full time.
3: And, you know, to your point about uh, that not happening, we've seen it happen uh, much quicker in other areas of the country. When the uh, CDC changed the recommendations, states like California took them up right away. That lack of urgency um, to do that here in western New York and kind of uh, what you've been seeing over here with that, does that – Make your blood boil, I guess, when you when you uh, listen to that. Because when you listen to, if the governor is ever asked, well, I, here's uh, just the other day.
4: What would you how would you define shortly, Beth, to put you on the spot?
2: If we had to define shortly, I would say sometime in the next 24 to 48 hours, Governor.
4: Oh, I wouldn't go that rush. I would say the next, within a week, there will be guidance.
3: You know, even when um, uh, one of their own state attorneys says, you know, we can do this in 24 hours, you have the governor saying, well, you
2: know, what's the rush? What's the rush? I mean, there should be a rush. Right. There should be a rush. Absolutely. And it's a total disconnect between um, Governor Cuomo and the pain and suffering that parents are having to endure watching their children go through this. I mean, just. Yesterday or two days ago, another little boy in New York City committed suicide. Our children are harming themselves. They're killing themselves. Um, The mental health, no one likes to talk about this because it's so difficult to talk about it, but it's happening. It's a reality, and it's a reality not just in New York City. It's a reality in Erie County. You know, our children are in pain. They are suffering, and the risk to COVID uh, does not outweigh the risk of getting our kids back into classrooms.
0: You know, uh, uh, Taria, looking around the country, because New York State, as you said, one of the last to go from six to three feet. But you look around the country, there is still hybrid offered. And and you aren't saying that schools should be open five days a week for everybody, but that option should be there. Have you looked around the country? Are there any districts outside of New York State that are holding on to the six feet like the state of New York is? Uh,
2: Not that I know of. Not that I know of. I'm sure there are some. I need to do the full research on this. Um, but the number one point is that schools are safe. And, in fact, even Dr. Turkovich, the chief medical officer at OSHAI, came out just the other day, and they have not seen a significant number of kids being admitted to the hospital or in the ICU. So, you know, when the Erie County Department of Health is saying, you know, that cases among children are skyrocketing and things like this, they're not in hospitals. You know, our, our chief officer of pediatrics at OSHAI is saying this is not a problem. So why is the county spreading misinformation and fear like this? What's really going on?
3: I, it is kind of a question that I was thinking of uh, back then. And then, you know, I uh, you hear some of what's being said. And uh, going back to those comments, those comments were made uh, yesterday by uh, Dr. Turkovich, on our station, he said they did see a slight uptick in children uh, with COVID in January In March, just a handful of cases across all ages at Oshai Children's Hospital. All kids who have gone uh, into the hospital have recovered, he says, uh, not many in total over the course of the last year. I, does it come a point, now I know a, a lot of this is directed at the state, there's a lot directed at uh, the various counties in uh, really across New York state to go and do something. I mean, at some point can't, you know, I think of like what used to happen right in the old days. Like if the community is upset enough. Isn't it, you know, you, you gather the PTA or you gather a bunch of angry parents and you go to a school board meeting and you just yell a lot. And, you know, eventually your, your point kind of gets heard. And that's in the way that things start to change as you make your voice known. I, I'm. Are you maybe starting to wonder where that is on the local level in individual school districts and if that might be the way to make a difference?
2: absolutely you know we are looking for someone to lead all we're looking for is leadership and if that leadership can come from our school district level you know we're seeing counties right next door to us um who are opening and who are taking matters into their own hands uh they have not waited for um new york state guidance or they've um gone under six feet with masks and barriers still in compliance with the state and they're taking matters into their own hands and they're doing it but at some point you know i myself have been at every school board meeting um that I've been able to attend, and as have many of my colleagues and other people in Western New York students, first, we all attend the board meetings, we all speak up, we're all writing letters. Uh, we do feel that our voices are going unheard um, just in the fact that nothing's happening, you know.
0: Taria, let me ask you, say that the state comes out with their uh, guidance and it's not the three feet, Um, it stays at the six feet, because I believe the state at one point was eight feet and, and it would stay at six feet throughout the state. Would you continue with a district by district lawsuit and try to force individual counties knowing that the state is going to stay at six feet?
2: Well, that's a good question. Western New York students first is not connected with any of the lawsuits, although our members are. you know we support whatever actions we you know our members feel that they need to take for their children. So, yeah, you know if they don't adopt the three feet guidance, that's unacceptable. We need to start following science, and let's go back to that first point. Schools are safe. they really are safe. and you know they're labeling cases in young people as covid cases even though these um these cases did not come from schools and in fact the students are not allowed to attend school so these are just cases in young people who are getting covid from everywhere else except school is what's happening and it's like labeling cases in older people as cases in restaurants or bars you know when it actually it has nothing to do with the restaurants or the bars right these are just cases in people Um, and schools are being punished for it you know why for what reason we need to look deeper in that
3: What do you think is going to happen in the next couple of weeks? Do you see any major changes? Because it it is tough to see at this point that something drastically changing to where, you know, all of a sudden more kids are going to be allowed in school within, you know, say, the end of this month.
2: Right. Well, optimistically, I'd like to see uh, New York State change its guidance, adopt the the CDC three-foot rule. I know that the Clarence District, the district that my kids are in, are ready to pivot and um, go back to school full-time, except for high school. Of course, again, they're they're bound by this CDC guidance and the county guidance that uh, relates the community transmission um, to, to danger in schools, which is a false narrative. Um, so, you know, we're not going to be um, happy unless all of our kids, unless the kids who want to be back in school full-time are allowed to be back in school full-time, and that includes our middle schoolers and our high schoolers. They are people, too. They are suffering, especially the high schoolers' mental health. You know, so, yeah, it needs to be, the fight needs to continue until everyone who wants to be back can be back.
0: Tarya, I'm sure we will be talking to you uh, the next few weeks. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. Thank you. That is Tarja Parsonen, who is part of the fight to reopen schools here in New York State. And Brian, I always make this point when we're talking schools, you know, uh, high school Joe Beamer, not the smartest person. I mean, maybe 32 year old, not the smartest person either. I did hear you misspell a word yesterday. Oh, so. I thought everyone had forgotten. <laughs> um, but, you know, I I think about the troubles I had focusing in a classroom. I couldn't imagine having to focus on a packet or having to focus on a lesson that's on my computer where I'm surrounded by, you know, my game system, by the TV at home. I could not imagine doing school like this for a year and not having that one on one help face to face that I had that helped me get
3: through high school and then college uh, so many years ago. Yeah. Well, in many cases, it. it doesn't happen uh, the way that you'd hope it does it and you know I did hear one thing and we'll play it for you here this is uh, Dr. Gail Burstein yesterday
6: we're seeing it many many more cases in young people and we're seeing more transmission among young people too so it's just and we're seeing more sick kids so it's just not a matter of kids don't get sick or uh, kids don't get infected I don't have to worry about my kids we have to worry about our kids we have to play it safe
3: We have to worry about our kids. Uh, We have to play it safe, she said. But, you know, in talking about the safety, in my mind, goes in one of two places. One, it goes, well, it's about time somebody said we have to worry about our kids because it seems like that's not happening. And two was, well, why start now? Because we haven't been doing that, it seems like, in much of the past year. We're taking your calls at 803-0930.
2: Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart
3: and great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small
0: businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local
3: T-Mobile store today.
0: Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. If your day sounds like... We need the report ASAP.
6: You deserve Modella If you've persevered through...
0: You deserve this rich golden lager with a crisp and refreshing taste or if you overcame Tourist, tour. you deserve this ice cold reward modello the mark of fighter trick responsibly beer imported by crowning port chicago illinois
3: it's nine twenty-seven. it's b and
0: beamer now brian mazurowski and joe beamer News Radio 930
1: WBEN. All
3: right, we're back here talking about uh, schools in Western New York and uh, why they just can't seem to open the way that uh, even the CDC would recommend uh, throughout the area. Uh, and, you know, we talked uh, Joe, uh, to Joe to Taria Parson in, in the last half hour, and she had mentioned uh, Dr. Stephen Turkovich and some of the things that he said. Um, They're actually some of the things he said. Speaking uh, right here on WBEN yesterday when we talked to him about COVID and kids.
5: Yeah, unfortunately, we're no different here in Buffalo, where we have seen children presenting to the emergency department and and being admitted for things like intentional ingestions, suicide attempts, um, an increased number of kids being diagnosed with eating disorders. Um, So we're seeing the full gamut of mental health conditions in children as a result of the isolation um, and, and, and the stress of the pandemic. Uh, we've also seen an increase in some severe child abuse, um, co- combined with a decrease in the number of uh, reports of child abuse. So the biggest concern there is that a lot of cases are going unrecognized because kids are being isolated and not in schools and other areas where they could be identified as a potential abuse victims. So, you know, it's something that's very, very concerning to us. In my mind, it is a mental health crisis that does warrant a significant amount of resources, uh, but also attention. And balancing that with the safety of returning to school, given the fact that we know that school is is the best place for kids' physical, emotional, and mental health development. You're in favor, then, of getting more kids back into schools? Absolutely. You know, I I think that we have been proven that we can do it safely with all of the safety measures that have been put in place. Sometimes the challenge is taking that recipe of safety measures and implementing them. But I, I know many schools that have developed some creative solutions that can do that. So. You know, we're certainly here to help any schools that need help in terms of how to implement things and understand the safety measures, but I, I'm fully confident that kids can go back safely if we follow these. My children go to school five days a week in person.
3: It's Dr. Stephen Turkovich. He's the chief medical officer at Oshai Children's Hospital. We're taking your calls at 803 for uh, the rest of the show today on you know what you're seeing, what you're feeling when it comes to kids in schools. And it doesn't matter if you're talking about your kids, and maybe you're talking about yourself as a teacher, maybe you're just any connection you have, what this past year has been like to you. And the one thing he mentioned there, Joe, is attention. And the one thing that has got me um, so much over much of the last year, and it really is becoming close to a year uh, now. It's uh, over a year when most kids have been out of school. But, you know, toward the end of the school year last year is when, you know, maybe, all right, some of these plans should be in place. And then all throughout the summer, I starting last summer, there is no attention. No. That urgency... Is not there. Uh, and to me, it was uh, evident no more so than when they made the announcement of how schools would be allowed to open, right? it was. I think that came at the end of August, or maybe it was the beginning was of the August. Begin- oh, I thought it was the beginning of September. Uh, like, well, it was last minute. It was last minute, and it was something that everybody I know who has any connection to a school, if they're a parent or a teacher, my wife is a teacher, I mean, they were glued to this. They knew the date that it had to come by from the governor that he said there was going to be an announcement on schools by this date. All right, here's the date. When is the announcement going to happen? And we have become, by that point, so used to seeing him on TV every single day, right? I mean, he's on t- making any sort of announcement, telling stories, showing slides, doing jokes, you know, whatever. He's on TV with his brother at night, you know, when he's not doing his show midday. What do we get? When it came time to make that announcement on schools that's going to impact every single school-aged kid and family all across the state. It wasn't any TV show. Mm. It was on a conference call. that uh, You couldn't carry it live. People who were interested weren't watching. I, it was just in the middle of, oh, what are we going to do? Oh, here's the guidance. And, you know, just uh, you guys figure it out was basically the guidance that the state came. And that's the level of attention that this has gotten on a statewide level this entire time. Yeah, well, that day he was too busy on Good
0: Morning America, so he couldn't do two television appearances. So it was just a phone call. And at first, it was impossible for these schools to open. They had thought all summer, okay, as long as we have masks in place, students can sit at their desk and we can go back to school. Then they're throwing a curveball by the state. And now that clip you played uh, the last segment, Brian, the governor saying, oh, why? Why rush it? Why rush it? I mean obviously he doesn't have any kids in school right now. Why rush it? You have kids, you have parents listening to the station right now. They have a job to be at. They have to now juggle their kids being home and their kids again not getting that full education. I know I said it at the end of the last segment, but I go back to how I would do how I would be as a student having to learn online all day, every day, not having that after school hours with my teacher right there. I I think of math class, Brian, and I think of me in math class, and believe me, if my teacher didn't show me how to write out a problem, I never would have gotten past math. And you can't do that over a computer. Mm-hmm. I need that right in person. And then as Dr. Turkovich said, just think of, of kids' social lives. I mean, there is more than the education. The education is important, but there's more than just the education when we talk about going to school. We think of having a social life. Well, Brian, there's kids right now who have not had that kind of social life for over a year.
3: No, and the social life, you know, that it's easy to gloss over, but that is a huge important point. You, you mentioned that uh, uh governor clip if you weren't paying attention or just joining us that we played in the last hour this is the governor this week when asked where is the decision on school distancing and he's speaking and the other voice you hear there is beth garvey who's a special counsel to the governor what
4: would you how would you define shortly beth to put you on the spot
2: if we had to define shortly i would say sometime in the next 24 to 48 hours governor
4: oh i wouldn't go that rush i would say the next within a week there will be guidance
3: that's, you know, again, with the urgency. I mean, I can't think of maybe a uh, more important topic of this. I, and we talk about, and, you know, rightfully so, that we do focus so much on uh, bars and restaurants and everybody who's been impacted and everybody has been impacted some way. But I, I don't know if there's anything more important than where your kids are going to be every single day. What sort of quality of education they're going to get, especially in crucial years of their development. And that's the attitude that we're getting when it comes to making these decisions is, you know, we'll wait and see. And you mentioned that uh, on the the social aspect of this. And we heard from Dr. Turkovich of what he's seeing day to day in a hospital setting at Oshina Children's Hospital. He says he's seeing the impacts of kids being isolated, of kids not being in school. And how is that presenting? It's presenting in depression, anxiety, more uh, kids who are school-aged needing uh, so much attention that they go to a hospital. It has uh, resulted in suicide attempts. You heard Taria Parson talk about right there. And this goes back before 2020 of uh, studies done when it comes to the social life of kids and how anxiety and depression is related to how often you're out, how often you're having that face-to-face interaction. And in all this, it's tough to draw direct correlations. But what they have found is an increased amount of screen time and a decreased amount of time spending time with your peers, peer-to-peer interaction, would increase the likelihood that you're going to run into problems with those two things, anxiety, depression, and maybe even an attempt at your own life when you're in some of those adolescent years.
0: Yeah, and, and you notice the one thing Dr. Turkovich didn't say was that they're seeing kids with COVID that have gone back to school in the hospital. That's not what he's seen. He has seeing the effects of kids that haven't been to school, that have been, as Brian said, just sitting in front of a computer in four years. What have we stressed? Don't have your kids sit in front of the computer for more than 30 minutes to an hour. I mean, when we were kids, Brian, don't play video games for more than 30 minutes or an hour. Go outside, you know, uh, talk with your friends, socialize with your friends. And now we're now the state of New York is saying the opposite. No, your kid is just fine staring at that Zoom classroom for eight hours or your kids just fine with a mixture of Zoom classrooms and this packet that was sent home at the beginning of the week.
3: Now, uh, you mentioned Dr. Turkovich. We heard some of what he said there. And, you know, on the covid cases, he said there was a slight uptick in January and March, a handful of cases uh, at Oshai Children's Hospital and school age kids with covid. All kids have recovered, not many in total over the course of the last year that they've seen so far. So that is what he's seeing here locally is the picture of serious illness when it comes to COVID in kids. And there is that line that you eventually reach, and we're kind of accelerating toward that now when you take into account vaccines and you take into account how many very vulnerable people, the people who we have been trying to protect over the past year have been vaccinated and are now protected from severe outcomes to COVID, there comes a time when the decision on how to accept risk gets flipped from being made for you to being you have the opportunity and the ability to, to make that yourself. You know, Dr. Fauci uh, was saying it was either early this week or late last week that the idea of a vaccine passport on a national scale is likely not going to happen. And that we heard at the very beginning of the vaccine rollout, you're not going to be forced to get a vaccination. Right. I, it's extremely it's recommended. I've been vaccinated. You've been vaccinated. But you, you can't really force somebody to get that vaccine. And you are going to come to a point where if you choose not to get that vaccine, that is your decision right. and that you are accepting whatever risk comes as a result of that decision. If you choose to choose to get that vaccine, that's your decision. And when it comes to schools, the, I think the main problem that parents are having is that there is no decision to be made. It's being made for them. And it, has irreparable harm on kids when you're talking about a year sometimes uh, in some cases of not being in the classroom at all.
0: And you want to talk about the vaccine, Brian. Well, what was one of the first groups of people vaccinated? It was teachers. It was teacher staff members That were first in line to get the vaccine so now we are here in April teachers have been getting vaccinated since February I thought that was to get students back to the school but like you're said like you said that decision is still being made for the parents and for the teachers who have gone in line who signed up who got the vaccine who most are now past the two weeks from being fully vaccinated and here we are with the governor saying (laughs) Why take only 24 hours? No, no, no. We'll have this decision sometime next week. Take your time. There's no rush whatsoever. And then, Brian, I think the school discussion branches off to, okay, so say the governor next week comes out and says, all right, we'll go three feet. Districts start to reopen. Are you only going till mid-June? Or do do we now have to extend the school year because kids were out of the classroom so long? Kids were just online, not getting the full course of the class they were taking
3: yeah and uh, an important part of that is you mentioned the the vaccine and then when it comes to teachers who have been eligible to get a vaccination for some time now i mean they were one of the first people to be eligible across new york state And we know, we talked about it for many months, it is tough in a lot of cases to get that vaccination appointment. It's gotten easier as the months have moved along here where vaccines have been available to whether it's an older age group, those uh, 65 or older, or teachers. And it was a while ago that we heard the governor talk about, well, how we want to get a handle, a report, Of how many teachers have had the vaccine to you know get a better um idea of how safe it is of what the big uh of what the danger is for teachers in a school setting if they are protected and that was a while ago we still have not seen if you look on the covid tracker site that the state offers they still have not reported that data uh publicly When it comes to the demographics, they have a lot of different uh, by region, how many people um, it's broken down extensively by race, uh, but not by age, not by profession. Can you get that data easily on the state website? So you can't even really tell, you know, if there could be schools out there right now that 80 percent of teachers have gotten the vaccine because it's been available, yet they're still closed and they're still talking about safety. Uh, Even though that it wouldn't be as big of an issue because of these numbers that we really don't know right now. Right, and 80%, as we know, that's the number from
0: uh, Anthony Fauci that we're trying to get to. If most schools are at 80%, we really need to be getting kids back in the classroom. The Volkswagen of Orchard Park text board, 803-0930. Brian, someone texted in, Brian and Joe, my husband is a volunteer fireman. In one night last week, he had two suicide attempts by a 12-year-old and a 13-year-old. One was an OD of Tylenol, and another was an attempted hanging. So these are hitting close to home, as we hear on the uh, text board this morning.
3: I, you know, like I said, the, uh, the urgency, it's, it's not where it, a lot of people say it needs to be. It's uh, certainly not where a lot of parents and students uh, really want it to be uh, on this issue. And it's tough to see that, uh, you know, you have that still being a problem. Over here, Uh, 952 on WBEN. I just got this uh, coming through the email. You're a big uh, country music fan. I'm guessing you're an Eric Church fan. I am an Eric Church fan. He's coming to Buffalo. Saturday, September 25th. Wow. 2021. Ah, that's unfortunate. (laughs) That's, well, I mean, it's a little bit closer than what I was expecting, maybe. Um, You know, the tour runs through spring of 2022. But he is coming to KeyBank Center. It's a uh, in-the-round concert, so that's, you know, maybe more people uh, even than what your typical concert would be. But that's pretty cool um, that, you know, we have an event like that. Hey, we don't have too much time here. I want to get Frank and Holland on WBEN. Frank, uh, what are you thinking this morning?
1: I'm thinking that these schools need to open up. I'm going to college. My son is going to UAlbany and I know so many of the other kids in K through 12 need to get back to school. It's grossly affecting all of our grades, quality of life, student life, and quality of education. I am more used to virtual learning than my son, but the residency classes have been canceled as a blanket policy for SUNY Empire, and my most effective learning is in-person, interactive with the teacher and the fellow students. My son was a Dean's List student before all this happened and then went to virtual learning, and he's crashing. He's even talking about resigning from school for a while because of it.
3: You know, you're talking about the uh, setting in a college, and that's something we haven't really even focused on that much. I'm wondering for you and for your son, a virtual learning setting, is it worth it uh, when all the classes are being done virtually? Do you feel like you're getting
1: your money's worth? It's horribly not worth it because these professors, and I i hate to say it, they're in the latter years of their educational training and everything, they're not used to bang Zooming. <laughs> I mean, just immediately, you've got to do everything by Zoom or Microsoft Teams. Well, I'm quite Internet adept, but some of these professors, my son is telling me about at UAlbany, can't even navigate the system and have their student associates do that, the, the AIDS. It's just crazy how much you're paying, and you're not getting the exact same thing, and they're not giving you a discount. And personally, I don't care about the discount. Right. When my son was a dean's list and is now starting to fail, this is upsetting to me.
0: Frank, let me ask you, is your son living on campus but taking Zoom classes?
1: You know, the first term that this rash broke out, he was, and they kicked him out of his dorms literally just before finals, to make room for COVID-confirmed patients to move from off-campus into his dorms. They literally relocated him to another dorm and all the other students in the other dorm. This term, he's at home because why bother paying the exorbitant fees for room and board at a dormitory when you're not even allowed to go to class?
3: No, absolutely. It makes sense. Um, Hey, Frank, thanks so much for the call uh, on WBEN and for joining us today. Uh, It's, listen, it's a tough situation for everybody. And as Frank just said, it doesn't matter what grade level.
0: No, no. I mean, and he has a point. There are some, most are very internet uh, capable, but there are some, especially professors that, you know, they're not used to teaching on Zoom. Yeah. So, hey, it's another edition of as and Beamer. And Brian, before we get out of here, I'd like to remind people, to
3: subscribe to Beamaz and Beamer on the Odyssey app, and uh, you still got a few minutes. Salsa is the code word this hour. Text that word to seven two eight eight one. You got another code word coming in just about four minutes. It's nine fifty six on WBEN.